welcome to our very first official episode of There Will Be Podcasts. My name is Ryan, and, and this is Pilar. Hi, I'm Pilar. <laughs> and uh, this week we'll be discussing uh, Pa Thomas Anderson's 2007 film, There Will Be Blood. Uh, this is the most fitting film that we could choose for our, po- for our podcast because that's what we named our podcast after. So, uh, yeah. With that, uh, let me give a short synopsis here. So, There Will Be Blood. It is inspired by Upton Sinclair's 1926 novel, Oil. Um, There Will Be Blood features a ruthless uh, character study of an oil man, one Daniel Plainview, whose inherent competitiveness, hatred, and general distrust uh, gains him the life he most wanted, one in a big house near the sea and far away from everyone. Uh, yeah, so, uh, with that, we have watched this film a number of times, uh, how, how do you like it overall? Um, well, I would go ahead and say, like, the first time I had watched it with, uh, Ryan, I think we had to watch it three separate nights, because, um, I was not used to watching such long movies, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think we had, yeah. I think I got up to some point, and then I was like, okay, this is great, but I have to go to sleep. It, it's an hour, two hours long, three hours almost. Uh, two hours and 40 minutes, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, um, but overall, uh, I mean, it's the name of our podcast. I definitely think it's one of the best films I've ever seen. Um, so I think overall it leaves me with an impact of, like, I feel like there's often, like, a good-for-her kind of uh, mentality with some movies that I really enjoy. But, like, for for There Will Be Blood, you're kind of, like, not good for him because it kind of sucks. But you're just, like, it is what it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen it now. Uh, we watched it yesterday, and... Uh, it's a masterpiece, and it never it never lets me down. Um, uh, yeah, so um, so now that we've established that we love the movie, of course, uh, is there a specific scene or a moment in the film? You know, rewatching it yesterday, where you were like, "Okay, this is the scene that that kind of locks it in place for me." The problem is like there's so many scenes like that. Where, like, each time I watch it, it's, like, a different scene where I was, like, okay, this scene is, uh, the one that I feel like just encapsulates, 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 uh, uh, the whole movie, um, let me take a look at my notes, uh, okay, I think the part that really locks it in is, um, is where he meets uh, Eli for the first time. And I don't know if it's like, it kind of seems like an inside joke to when he sees him and he's kind of like in disbelief almost oh, yeah. of how much he looks like Paul. Yeah. It's almost like they didn't tell him that Paul Dano is also going to play <laughs> Eli and he just shows up on set and Daniel Day Lewis is just running with it. <laughs> Uh, that's actually pretty funny because I, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it um 
Paul Dano plays both of the brothers. Uh, Paul, who you only see for the couple moments uh, in the beginning of the film. Um, and uh, he sends Daniel Day-Lewis over to his, uh, his family's ranch. And thus, Daniel Day-Lewis meets his family and the eldest son, Eli, who I, be- I would assume is uh, Paul's twin brother. Yeah. Um, they, he meets him for the first time and literally lickety split. I mean, it's Paul Dano. It's, he's playing both characters, but they didn't even bother to change his look that much. I think maybe they have a different haircut or something. I mean, very slight. I mean, he he, <laughs> he walks up behind uh, Daniel and H.W. with some firewood, drops it on the ground, and uh, they, they you know, turn around at the sound, and... He, he just is standing there, and Daniel's like, hello again, kind of, you know? But uh, then he, like, reaches out his hand and introduces himself as Eli. And the look of just pure <laughs> astonishment on Daniel Day-Lewis's face is it's just too good. It's so good. Like, like I would believe that the character uh, Daniel would be astonished to see that that is his brother and not know if it was him because if I was in that same position like I've been in a position where I had to interact with twins that I didn't know were twins and so uh I worked at a uh a uh resource center at my university and so uh I would have to greet uh like new students all the time and so one time I gave a tour of my uh office to one student and then the next day, I had someone who looked very similar to them, and they were like, I've never been here before. And I was like, uh, I literally just gave you a tour yesterday. Uh, and they're, and then they didn't tell me they had a twin until like 10 minutes later. And I was like, uh, duh, but also like, you should have told me you had a twin, and that should have registered with you. <laughs> <laughs> that I, if I was acting like I met you before. Yeah, uh, so if you have a twin, just if you meet one person that your twin may meet, uh, in the near future, just let them know ahead of time that, hey, I have a twin that might be coming by. Just, you know, don't be, don't don't look uh, as astonished as, as Daniel Plainview in that moment. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, the, uh, re-watching it, the, the, the scene that I always love is when they have, like, the, the gas explosion at the, at the big derrick on the, near the Sunday ranch and uh, it, it blows HW back and uh, he hits his head, loses his, his hearing. Um, but from the moment that uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character, Daniel Plainview gets there uh, and he's like, pass him down to me or whatever. Uh, he, he grabs him in his arms and it's just one take and oh, yeah. he, he runs, I don't know how far it actually is. It is a pretty decent distance. Uh, he runs from the oil derrick down to the mess hall, uh, like carrying HW, and he's covered in oil, both of them, or whatever they use for the oil. Uh, uh, and the, there's like a, you know, a giant explosion going off behind them. It's just too good. I don't know how they do that. It's so chaotic, but it's so almost flawless how how seamlessly Daniel just runs down this hill covered in oil with his child. <laughs> and then I feel like that scene also kind of just stabilizes Daniel's character as like, he wants to be a family man. 
that is what his dream is. <laughs> but he cannot stop himself from working and achieving his American dream. Yeah, so that kind of gets us into the into the next uh, thing here. So, uh, it, so this is getting into like our personal interpretation of of the film. It is a character study, so you know, it's, plot wise, it's pretty straightforward. What's happening? You know, this guy is trying to make it rich uh, in the oil industry at the at the beginning um, of the American oil industry. Uh, so. Yeah, what what do you think about Daniel's family man mentality? Um, it's it's sort Elaborate of Elaborate on that. <laughs> it's sort of strange because I feel like there are two American dreams. You know, there's the American dream that you can achieve by working and the American dream that you can achieve by just kind of living your life. Um, living the life that you want. Like everybody I feel like in America, everybody feels like they want to be rich or they want to be in a family, you know, but what they actually want is a life completely different. But because they're so ingrained by society to want these things, have a family, be rich, um, it kind of muddles with people's real interpretation of what they want in their life. Like, I feel... Uh, he explains that his dream is to, you know, be far away from people uh, and have a family or something in a big house by the sea. Um, but he gets that and it's not what he wants. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so it's been a while since I've seen it. I, I have always taken away the fact that he just uses HW uh, as you know, he, he tells him at the end of the movie that he, he needed a, uh, a cute face to help him sell uh, his his oil setup to, to these families. Um, but this time around, it, it really struck me like he actually cares for H.W. Like, you know, it, it kind of falls apart at the end of the movie, but... Uh, I feel like he, he truly loves him. You can see it in that scene where he's carrying him down to the mess hall. Um, uh, the way they portray HW's uh, hearing loss is uh, it can be, it can easily be construed as like, Oh, he's, he's completely fed up with this kid. He's annoying as hell. Um, you know, he, he tries to get rid of him. Um, he he abandoned his child. Right. Uh, but in rewatching it, uh, it it really struck me like so he he has this family operation. It's a family business. Uh, Henry, his uh, his his fraudulent uh, his bro brother from another mother, as Henry uh, explains it, um, comes in and you can you can read it as like oh. Now Daniel has an adult to help him, a family member adult to help him with the business. So he doesn't need this kid anymore. So he sends the kid away. But in rewatching it, I I don't think that's the case at all. So we have this uh, we have this big scene, uh, another great scene where uh, he Daniel confesses his sins uh, at the Church of the Third Revelation. Um, where he, he says that he's abandoned his child and you know, it's a, 
it's a great uh it's a great a great scene yeah um anyway the uh following that scene hw comes back uh he brings him back with with his uh, sign language teacher um and i initially thought that oh daniel really did like have some you know uh he he really did repent in some way he felt that he had sinned by abandoning his child but i don't think that's the case at all what happened before that is he found out that henry was a fraud and i feel like the reason he sent hw away was because he caught the the shack on fire hw caught their shack on fire and he was like all right this little bastard is <laughs> is just you know he's deaf i don't know how to handle that uh and now he's like acting up yeah uh so he's, he he sent him away for an education um and then when the whole henry is a fraud thing comes up it's almost like it occurred to daniel why hw did that it's because hw saw through the fraud and I feel like that's why he brought him back. Not because uh, uh, Eli uh, made him see anything that, that he wasn't seeing before. Okay. I guess I could see that now because he did uh, in that scene. I don't think I remembered it before watching it this last time. Um, the fire went directly to Henry's bed. And I guess <laughs> yeah. in like... Since there's no way for him to really communicate with his with Daniel, uh, it was like the best thing he could do was kill Henry. <laughs> um, so I think that's pretty interesting. I I didn't even think about that until now. Uh, but yeah, uh, I do I do agree with you. I do think that he loves H W. But it's almost like. H.W. doesn't fit into this picturesque dream that he has. Yeah, well, that's the, the interesting thing at the end is, like, it, it, the first time I watched it, felt like a felt like the movie ended, and then we had this, this postscript of a scene in which an adult H.W. comes to, to visit his father. And uh, this time around, it felt like, it, it wasn't, you know, telling H.W. that he was actually an orphan, that they, that he wasn't his actual father. This time, it, it didn't feel like... Uh, it, it didn't feel separate from, from the film, mm -hmm. uh, and it didn't seem separate from Daniel as a character either. It's like he, as much as he loves H.W., he knows he is not his own child. Right. Uh, so it's not like he has this card that he can play and it's like, well, you know, fuck you, you're an orphan, so I don't care what you do. Yeah. It's more like, well, unfortunately you're an orphan, so <laughs> I can't. Yeah. You know, if you, I feel like you're betraying me, so now we're, yeah, now we're enemies. Daniel himself <laughs> so, says that he's so full of hatred and, like, pettiness, uh, I think a scene that really struck me is when um, he finally gets his own pipeline and he tells, what is the, the... Oh, Tilford? Tilford. Uh... From, uh, so he made a deal with Union. I think Tilford is with Standard. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
um, this scene like eats me up because it's like he brought HW back and he is trying so hard to make the pettiest scene at this restaurant, but HW is not able to engage. <laughs> so it really fucks him up. And that's the whole, like, I feel like, you know, as much as he loves HW, HW being death really fucks him up in like achieving what he wants. And I mean, Daniel is selfish. We've all seen how selfish he can be and what he's willing to do to get what he wants. He'll fucking drag himself <laughs> uh, with a broken leg all the way up, you know, the, who, who, who knows, knows how far yeah, who knows how that. far he did that. He He's willing to uh, baptize himself, which he was very much against just to build this oil uh, pipeline. He is really willing to do anything to you know, stick it up to whoever, you know, challenges him. And I think that is in many ways, like, cool and brave, but at the same time, like, it can be very self-destructive and you can definitely see that by the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we'll get into some more aspects in a minute, but uh, for now, how does the film fit into uh, the director's greater collection of work? Uh, so... I looked up some movies from Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, we have Boogie Nights from 1997, Magnolia from 1999, Punch Struck Love from 2002, There Will Be Blood from 2007, uh, followed up by The Master in 2012, and then Phantom Thread. He reunites with Daniel Day-Lewis uh, in 2017. Uh, of those, I, I have seen Punch Drunk Love maybe, I would count one whole time, because... <laughs> Uh, back in the day, I was just watching Garden State all the time, and Punch Drunk Love was there too, and I didn't like it as much, so uh, I definitely need to, to re-watch that. Um, but, yeah, have you seen any of these? I have not seen any of these. I have had The Master on my list for a while, and Phantom Thread kind of seemed like that movie, like, maybe one day I'm going to watch it, but I'm not going to actively go out to, like, seek it. Yeah, I think that was one of the only films that we... The only one of the only Oscar-nominated films that we didn't really see uh, yeah. uh, in 2017. Uh, it, in either case, Daniel Day-Lewis, have you seen many of his works? We have uh, some notable ones, My Left Foot, The Crucible, Gangs of New York, Ballad of Jack and Rose, uh, and then following following this masterpiece performance. Oh my gosh, we have nine. <laughs> he was in the movie Nine. Which uh, is awful. Um, the only thing saving that film is, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate Hudson, who I'm <laughs> dearly in love with. Uh, she is, has the only good song and the only good act. Uh, the whole movie can just be thrown away except for her scene. Just make it a music video. <laughs> uh, so I've seen My Left Foot. We, we own it. I don't think we've watched I've it together. It. Uh, but uh, Also The Crucibles. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he is a master... Craftsman. Um, yeah, uh, Paul Dano's works were pretty interesting. He mainly got a start on The Sopranos, which I didn't know about. Uh, he must have been a baby. Uh, the Ballad of Jack and Rose, he was also in that with Daniel Day-Lewis. Then we have Little Miss Sunshine, 2006, followed by There Will Be Blood in 2007. Um, he's been in so many uh, like indie, indie comedy, like dark 
Twisted comedies, uh, Swiss Army Man, I've noticed one yeah, of your... definitely one of my favorite movies. One of your favorites. Um, uh, he's also uh, coming out soon uh, as the Riddler in uh, the next Batman movie. For real? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's interesting. I am very excited for that. I did not know that, and now I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, how do, how, how do you think this fits in, this movie? Does it, like... Does it shape your interpretation of Paul Dano, or is it just like, wow, I can't believe he gave that performance and there will be blood? Um, no, I think he's always been like that level of actor, just being uh, so sheltered yet very chaotic at the same time. I don't like he's always been like kind of like uh, it's the same in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He plays a very sheltered kind of like. It, introverted character yeah um but when it's time to freak out he will freak the freak <laughs> out <laughs> uh, uh, same thing with this army man oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um okay so uh yeah so we've we've talked about some of these uh were there any other so performances or any other aspects of the film that stand out i, I have to bring up the score from from uh, Johnny Greenwood uh, it it's like this omnipresent part of there will be blood uh, you, you can't separate the film from the score uh, it doesn't it doesn't stand out like it's not like it doesn't take me out of the movie but but when you're when you're aware of it, it you feel it. it you feel it that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah um, I would say as far as score goes uh it's, uh, it reminded me a lot of Midsummer, especially the beginning scene uh, with the screeching. I don't know if it's the same person. I I was supposed to look it up, but I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> it's um, not the same person. Uh, oh, well, it sounds the same. But still, I mean, I think the score for sure is something that stands out. Uh, without it, I don't think the film would be as impactful as far as, like, emotion. Um, there's, there's this one part... Uh, where Daniel is swimming with Henry and he he looks at him and talking about they're talking about like life back home or or what Daniel's going to Daniel is going to do now that he's made this deal with with Union um, and Daniel says uh, we'll, we'll liquor them up and take them to the Peach Street dance and talking about women yeah talking about women and Henry doesn't get the joke, uh, but so you can you can uh, Daniel repeats himself like ha ha here's the joke here's the joke and then he doesn't get it again and you can just you can see on Daniel's face that it, like the 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 twinge of doubt and who this who this guy actually is uh, just just went from like the small ember that it, that it was becoming like it like relit a flame uh, in that moment but specifically the the score starts up that that like that like droning sound starts up in that moment looking at Daniel looking at Henry and I don't know I just I was like I don't know if it's a performance I don't know if it's the score but this is such a, such a great image yeah <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other aspects of the of the movie? I mean, obviously the cin- cinematography is amazing. Uh, the colors, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a pastel person. You know, I love bright colors, uh, but I love how grimy everything looks. Uh, and then I, I kind of like have to get a give it up to the actor who played H.W. because like he is a child who had to act as a child who was deaf you know <laughs> who had a hearing injury um and so he I, I mean most of the time it's just like staring at somebody like <laughs> <laughs> but it's like how do you not respond when you have the ability to respond does it make sense uh, especially for a child, and I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, on his he part. he did do a really incredible job. I forgot his name, but I looked him up. Uh, he hasn't done anything else. Apparently, there was it was kind of a a complete um, it was completely by chance that they found this kid to to act in this uh, act in this film. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I have as far as the, the aspects of the movie. Um, yeah. Any, any other things that you want to hit on? Um, not really. I mean, yes and no. Like, I do want to bring up the wholesome kind of uh, scenes. Wholesome. Yeah, like the wholesome scenes that he does have with H.W. I think okay. that's what you're going into. Like, you know, he plays up the fact that he was only using HW for capitalism, which I do have in my notes. Like he, there is some sort of exploitation of his child um, for his business. Uh, But there is genuine love for HW. And I, I, every time I saw it, I like, you know, a little tear. Every time you saw the love. Yeah. Every time you like, (laughs) it was like peeking through, you're like, Oh my God, that's so cute. Um, I think specifically I have, um, mm-hmm. oh, the first scene where he's a baby and he's like, I, I, I would assume that, it, uh, that Daniel just went up to this baby and was like, your father's dead now. And then, it, <laughs> and then the scene starts to when the baby is like crying cause his dad <laughs> is dead. So he offers him liquor to like, you know, uh, throw away his sorrows. I find that really endearing. <laughs> you know uh, so there is that uh, after the whole bastard from a basket scene um uh, it cuts to this like seemingly out of place flashback uh do you remember that where it's a flashback to like hw playing with mary sunday mm-hmm. and daniel is just like uh like playing with them for for just a brief second uh, before he walks back up toward toward the oil barrack, uh, and it's that's the only moment in the entire film that even looks like that. I feel like that scene is brighter. Um, I mean, obviously, as a flashback, it's supposed to look a little bit different, but then it <laughs> then it just cuts back to, to to Daniel like drunkenly trying to get down the stairs to what I assume is his bowling alley. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's. I don't know. That kind of that kind of sealed the fact that I knew then how much Daniel actually loves HW. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there is this tiny aspect that I didn't think I noticed the past couple times that I watched it until this time. Um, and it's obviously when, uh, in the first scene, uh, Daniel uh, ruins his leg in some sort of way, uh, trying to crawl down this hole. Um, and, you know, for the most part, it's fine as he's walking. But when H.W. comes back, from his death school he is like you can see him very obviously limping hmm. and i think it kind of shows to goes to show how like the wear and tear of like him doing his job is like finally catching up with him hmm. uh especially like uh i had wrote too when um i think there was some sort of um kind of not limping but like a steady walk when he was carrying hw with his oil like all oiled up or whatever too um i think he was trying to be wary of his leg and trying to yeah you know, protect mean, himself i feel like he's he's limping through the whole movie basically but yeah. it does get progressively worse right all right so welcome back we had a little issue with the uh with the camera battery this is our first go around didn't know how long the battery would last. Obviously, it doesn't last as long as we thought. So, uh, yeah. So, the next part of the podcast is where we give our, our final movie rating. And uh, this is something that we talked about in the previous episode. But just to refresh you, uh, yeah, you want to detail how you go about giving your rating? Um, I don't want to detail because I will go very much into detail. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but I have certain categories that I look at... Um, and then I rate those from 0 to 10. And then um, out of those categories, I average them out. And then I will have a, uh, a point or decimal point number rating uh, from 0 to 10. Yeah. Um, so what what you got? All right. So character-wise, um, I've never seen better characters. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're on top of the line. Right. Okay. So that's the 10 out of 10. Uh, Plot-wise, it's pretty straightforward. They I can't from my knowledge, see anything that's wrong with it. No, like, um, what's the word? Uh, like, plot holes. yeah, no plot holes, yeah. continuing errors or whatever. Uh, from what I know, um, so that's the 10 out of 10. Uh, dialogue is probably one of the greatest dialogues I've ever heard in my life. Um, so 10 out of 10. Uh, cinematography, beautiful, 10 out of 10. Uh, film formatting, that's the only thing that I have an issue with. Um, I don't like how it jumps from time to time, like in such weird chunks. Um, so that has a nine, uh, you know, just a little point off. Yeah. But overall, it's fine. Um, setting be believability. So that's pretty much like uh, the environment. How does it feel? Does it feel like it's pretty accurate? And I want to say yes. Uh, you know, I wasn't around in the 19... Ten hundreds. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna say nobody, ten. Nobody was. Um, originality. I mean, it is based on a book, but I think you know I've never seen a movie about uh, oil derricks or the oil industry, so I'm gonna say it's pretty original. So ten. Pace. Um, while it is a long movie, it could not go any faster or any slower than it did. Uh, I think it used this time very wisely. Um, everything had a point. Um, so I want to say the pace, although slow, perfect. So 10. Um, enjoyment is the last thing. Oh, wait, no, score. Uh, 
obviously we uh yeah, we talked. About we talked it. about it. I don't know if it recorded it or not. It did. <laughs> <laughs> um, score was fantastic. Like literally, it made the movie what it is. Yeah. Um. So that's a ten. And the last thing that I look at is my personal enjoyment. Like while I think a movie can be great, if I don't like it, I don't like it. You know. Yeah. Um. But I freaking love this movie, so that's a ten. So, uh, I've pinpointed it the first time because I didn't have my. My yeah, chart we ready. recorded this a minute ago. Uh, you did not have, you did not do this math yet, uh, right? And you had guessed the exact same number. So. Yep, and that number is nine point nine. Yes, very out of ten. Nine point nine out of ten. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm I don't go through the intense uh, detail uh, that that Pilar does here, but uh, I I kind of look at it from where where does it like where does it resonate uh, as far as the films that I've seen? Um, and yeah, for me, it's obviously up near the top. It, it is a masterpiece, but I do knock it for that same, uh, especially the, the big jump in time. Uh, that's kind of unexpected. You know, it gives you like, uh, like 19 or no, 1889, 1907, somewhere along those lines. And then it just jumps forward about, uh, about, 13 years and, and H.W. has grown and you know I would have enjoyed the movie to be an hour longer to <laughs> get that progression a little bit more naturally that's the only thing I knock it on I give this film a 9.7 um, yeah so that's where that is for us uh, yeah so what okay overall what was the one favorite thing about watching this movie that you had oh I can't remember what you talked about before uh, my favorite thing I don't even think about what you said before. <laughs> What's your actual favorite thing? Um, oh, God, I cannot. Here, if you're thinking about yeah. it, I'll give you my Here, favorite. Give me thing. your favorite thing. Okay, my favorite thing is uh, all of the all of the quotes. It's it's so quotable. Uh, pretty much every line of dialogue that that Daniel Day Lewis has is uh, just hilarious. Um, my my favorite quote is. When they when when there's a tragedy at the well, Daniel goes and and sees Eli perform his evangelicalism uh, ritual there at the Church of the Third Revelation, and uh, all all Daniel can say before he walks away is that was one goddamn hell of a show. <laughs> it's just too good. Yeah, it's too funny. Um, okay, so I remember what it was, um, and I think. My favorite thing is how it was able to turn a very boring subject of the oil industry into such a charismatic story. Yeah. Um, I believe we talked about if we had followed somebody like Tilford. Yes, Tilford. Tilford. <laughs> like if we had followed somebody's uh, Tilford story through the oil business, it would have just been like really boring. So yeah. having someone as relatable as Daniel De or Daniel Plainview, Plain yeah. um, <laughs> having the re relatability of a character like that um, really kind of helps stimulate that sort of subject um, and makes it, makes it really interesting. Yeah, uh, makes it a good time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good time. I uh, I don't know if this recorded before, but I laughed twenty times during the movie. I laughed out loud. So uh, yeah, with that being said, uh, the uh, Next part, well, that's that's the end of this episode, basically. So what we're going to be doing is giving you a choice 
we we want to hear what you want us to review next. So uh, we, we're giving you three choices. The first choice is uh, this movie was up for Best Picture in 2000, I guess the 2008 uh, Academy Awards, uh, against No Country for Old Men, who which won the Oscar. We've seen that, that film several times. If you want us to actually review it on film, select that one. Uh, that's your first choice. Second choice is going to be a different type of character study, uh, uh, Lady Bird from uh, Greta Gerwig, 2017. Um, and yeah, third choice will be First Reformed. That's a film by Paul Schrader. Uh, also came out in 2017. Neither of us have seen it. it you know, hopefully it's something uh, like uh, the Church of the Third Revelation. <laughs> it's something to do with church. I don't know anything. Has Ethan Hawke, so. Uh, That's his boy. Yeah, so there's that. Um <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for watching and uh, follow us, you know, subscribe to the to the channel. Uh, follow us on Instagram at There Will Be Podcast and follow us on Twitter uh, at, uh, <laughs> at Pod From a Basket. That's our Twitter handle. So, um, yeah, yeah, you can answer the, the survey of what film you would like to see next on those two outlets. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's pretty much Thanks it. Thank you so much for watching our first podcast. Yeah. We're super excited to get this started. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>